news now. There's Jen and Brainy and uh, the hairdo you see in front of you is the one and only Dirk Manning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he's the one and only because if there were two, the world would implode upon itself. That is true. My grandfather, may he rest in peace, used to say, when God made you, he broke the mold. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's Grandpa Wisdom. So, yes, absolutely. Hey, uh, Kyle, we, we need to uh, kidnap Dirk one day and uh, shave his head off so we can have some nice wigs for ourselves. He's got, he's got a nice set of hair. I, I wasn't going to go there, but I noticed that Kyle <laughs> specifically talking about my hair. There's a certain irony there, perhaps a tinge of, uh, of jealousy, if you will. But uh... <laughs> I, I have enough for everybody. I can say Jen's got the best hair of all of us here. I mean, I, I do have plenty of hair. It's just, you know, I can use a little bit more up on top. <laughs> I used to have hair about as long as Jen's, as a matter of fact. So What? what? Pictures. I need pictures. Um, I have one right there. I will show it to you when we go off the air. Okay. And technically, I've got longer hair than Jen right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just went and had all of mine removed professionally, like... Um, I, I have a barber who he does two things. He does completely bald or military high tops. And I'm going, I don't have enough for a military high top, so completely bald. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you'd look very interesting with like, the military high top. I think that'd be a very fascinating look. But the problem is there's not enough here for it. <laughs> like I say, you and I go back long enough, Kyle. I remember you with hair, so. True. That's true. You know, if you grow your beard long enough, maybe we can have that shaved in a military high top comb, style. Just comb it up. <laughs> just do like a square. Up, like this with it. Right, like, like a square right there. So I didn't know that we were now the uh, the, the cosmetic podcast, but, uh, you know, treating our, treating our hair tips. I, I apologize. I should have I should have brought my, my gel and shown you all the secret of how to, how to get this... Uh, half pompadour thing going it's a whole but, process i'm sure yeah what, what you is? don't know is that sometimes our our uh, show is about you know what food we're eating for like 45 minutes who knows oh i've seen i've, I've seen some things right i know we were talking about ice cream beforehand and... <clears throat> you were supposed to bribe <laughs> us with ice cream for the record i, ha- I haven't I, hey today of all days i told myself uh uh full disclosure this is the third Third podcast I've done today. I saved the best for last. My my favorite people. Oh, and uh, I am going to have ice cream when I'm done because with butts and seats uh, hitting the milestone it did today, I've decided that I I'm going to get some ice cream. I normally don't keep a lot of ice cream at home to be honest because I would eat it all the time. But in this particular instance, I'm 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 di- I'm diving in. You. I think that it deserves a celebration. You need to like put something special on it, like sprinkles. For you, if there are sprinkles, I will put some on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. I um I'm blown away at the the reception of butts and seats. You know, being a wrestling fan anyway, this was such a cool project to do. And and Tony Shivani will even tell you that he um He's a big comic geek, and he's just happy to have 
be involved in making a comic and having a comic out. But uh, as of the recording today, which would be 13 days into the campaign, um, that we've crossed $100,000 and we've joined the $100,000 club on Kickstarter for a comic is... Um, 100,940 as of this second with oh 1,738 backers. It doesn't, it doesn't seem real. You know, it, it doesn't seem real. Um, 99,000 seemed more real than 100,000 because it was like, wow, we're like $99,000 in pre-sales. That's incredible. And then flipping that and you know anyone who's run a kickstarter will tell you whether it's successful or you're you're moving towards being successful you're always hitting refresh man you're always like oh what's it at now what's it at now what's it at now what's it at now and um doing that and then seeing it flip to the hundred thousand plus is just it's just humbling and uh, i'm really grateful you know i mean it's it's crazy you know um i've done a lot of kickstarters uh I, i'd like to think that i helped facilitate a model a lot of people now use grateful and, and i'm grateful to help i i'm really a pay it forward type of guy but it's cool then to see that model now get us to a point where when we apply it to a book like this with the talent we have not only with tony shivani but with the 25 artists on the book to be at the level we're at is and get the level of support we're at is just really humbling and it's it's really cool very cool you know and we have support of retailers like jen who went in on the book and we're great, always grateful for you jen i apologize i couldn't name the pledge level after you i can do that in my personal campaigns but not on a source play campaign but mystery we'll we'll bring it back <laughs> we'll bring it back for your boy so how did how did you and tony get together to do this project was it something he approached you with did you approach him with it we have a mutual friend uh gentleman by the name of mike dawkins uh he goes online as the gimmick attorney he's become like uh he's an attorney obviously and he's now doing a lot of work with a lot of different wrestlers and i again the small world thing i met mike dawkins through scoot mcmahon who's a co-creator of Cthulhu Jr. Dastardly Dirk, right? So I got to know Mike that way. And uh, I think, and again, Tony and I have talked about this. We kind of need to corner Mike on this and talk to him about it. Because I think his plan was to introduce us at C2E2 last year. And I, I couldn't be at C2E2 the first time I ever missed a show. Yeah, I had to take care of some family stuff with my grandfather um had a flight to florida very unexpectedly uh he was not doing well so i missed a show so right after c2e2 mike dawkins gets a hold of me and says hey how would you feel about doing a book with tony shivani now i'm a hardcore wrestling fan you know i i love wrestling and stuff so on a personal level i was like yeah right on but i also know that doing a comic that's based on a real person, like a life story thing could be very time consuming. So I had to kind of like decide, is this something I want to dedicate my time to? Which obviously I decided I, I did, you know? But then at the same time, 
Mike, I think, was talking to Tony Schiavone and said, look, I've got this friend, Dirk Manning. Uh, he's written a ton of comics. He's a real good dude. How would you feel about your story being told as a comic book? Tony, being a comic fan, was all about it. So then, of course, Mike facilitates the meeting between Tony and I. Um, we end up doing it on Zoom because at that point, you know, the world started shutting down pretty quickly. And, you know, he's down there and I'm up here. And uh, we really hit it off. Um, we brought in uh, Drina Joe, his editor. Um, and then it was Mike. So it was like the, the Zoom calls were like me, Tony, Mike Dawkins, Drina Joe, Dave Silva. And we just started, you know, we all kind of met and we kind of riffed. We really hit it off. And then we just started uh, production on the book from there. Did you did you already have you worked with the artists that you chose for the different segments before? Some I have and some I have not. What we decided pretty early on, and again, I want to give Mike credit where credit is due. He kind of helped me brainstorm on this a little bit as well. We decided to break the book into what became 10 chapters. And what I decided I wanted to do was do a different artist for every chapter that would best re reflect and represent that stage of Tony's life. So when I then took the book to SourcePoint Press, because they weren't even attached at, the, at, at this point in the process, I told them, I said, I have some people I want to bring in, but if you know of anybody as well, let me know and we'll kind of vet it out. And SourcePoint was really good to me about it. They let me pick, um, handpick my team. Travis made a couple suggestions. He made the he made the suggestion of uh, Colm Griffin, who I'd never worked with before. But you have people like Josh Ross, Austin McKinley, people who I've worked with before, obviously, Sally Scott, Jan Apple. Um, you got people I've wanted to work with for a long time, like Scott James, like Les Garner, like DJ Kaufman, you know. Um, so getting to bring them into the mix was really cool as well. Um, one of my my good friends who I've worked with a lot, Leno Grady, was going to do a chapter in the book. He broke his arm. Uh, I don't want to talk too much at school, but he broke his arm and his father passed, like ran on top of each other. So mentally and physically, he was not able to do a full story. But then Mariana Pascosta, who did the cover to the book, she recommended Ricardo Rosana, who was uh, never done a comic story before, but wanted to break into comics. So I love that aspect too. I love bringing in new people, you know? And then again, uh, John Marroquin, bringing him in, you know, getting to work with John again, who's a, a very talented artist. Um, I hope I named all 10. I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, you know. Um, so it, it was a mix. Uh, but I but I got to handpick the team when we unlocked the stretch goal of doing chapter breaks for every chapter. Mm -hmm. um, I then went ahead and got to handpick 10 more artists for that. When we unlocked four more bonus stories, I got to handpick artists for that. So um, it's been cool. And I've really been interested in presenting a variety of styles artistically and, and just bringing a lot of different voices and a lot of, a lot of uh, odd diversity to this book. I, this is going to be a comic that's going to, I think, get in a lot of hands of people that maybe don't traditionally read comics. So I wanted to show them all the different styles there are artistically and, and people creating the art and creating the book and stuff like that. So I'm nervous. I'm going to look to make sure I named everybody because I'm like, oh, I can't believe I didn't mention so-and-so. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I got to handpick everybody. And again, 
bringing back some old friends as well as bringing in some new people has just been a really, um, a really rewarding experience. And now, and again, not to beat a drum, we get to be part of the, we get to be part of the hundred thousand dollar club on Kickstarter, you know, which is cool. Like, like my buddy, Josh Ross messaged me today. Josh is one of my oldest friends in comics. And, um, he's like, Oh my God, dude. He goes, you hit a hundred thousand dollars in 13 days. I said, I know it's, it's crazy, but it's cool to get to put that feather in their hats. So yes, yeah, so we got DJ, Sally, John, Les, Jan, Jan Apple. She did bear, but not dead. She did the cover of this book. She's amazing. Uh, Colm, Scott, Josh, Austin. Yep. All right. Good boy. Sean Burris, who colored Cthulhu Jr. Bringing him in to do colors for artists in the real color. Justin Birch is an amazing letterer. I've never got to work with him before. Mariana Pascosta from Haunted High Ends doing the cover. Scott James doing the variant cover. Uh, Dreamy Joe Editing, who edits a lot of my stuff anyway, does some other really good books for Source Point. It's just nice to have a really good crew, a very diverse crew, and just it's going to be such a cool book when all said and done. It's just going to be such a big, tasty tome. That was a long answer to a short question, Jen. I apologize. Have you had any really interesting people reach out to you during the Kickstarter that you didn't expect to hear from? Yeah, I, I think the thing that's been the coolest has been the, the, the promos, you know, uh, having having the promos we've had, um, you know, MJF. MJF promo was fire. The MJF promo was so good. Um, if you would have asked me, you can get one AEW wrestler to cut a promo on your book, I would have picked MJF. But then Eddie Kingston, incredible you know, and Ricky Starks, you know, and, and then the Rhodes brothers, Cody Rhodes, who years ago I met on a fluke in a, in a restroom at a rest stop coming back from a show in Illinois, you know, and now he's running AEW, running AEW and cutting a promo on my book and Dustin, uh, we dropped Britt Baker today, you know, and that uh, was a good one too. Yeah. You know, Britt Baker going, kiss my ass, Shivani. Yeah. Kiss my ass, Shivani. Um, is amazing. Have, I'm not going to give anything away, but as of right now, and I think this will carry us through the end of the campaign, we have four more, four more to drop. And uh, that's been really cool. You know, um, I'm excited. As a lifelong wrestling fan, and as a fan of AEW, it, it's been just crazy to do this. And I can't wait for the pandemic to be over so that I can go down to Florida and thank the wrestlers in person and hang out with Tony in person. And it's been, it's been pretty cool. You know, it, it's, it's was, been pretty cool. I was going to try and guess the four. Like I was going to say, I'm going to text you after this and try and guess the four, but the I'll problem my poker is, face, hold on. Well, but the problem is, is that you got the Bischoff promo, which means it could literally be anybody because it doesn't have to just be AEW personalities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bischoff, Bischoff doing a surprise promo. Again, good gravy, you know, it just, just incredible. And Bishop was such a cool dude about it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we talked back and forth very, very briefly. And, and, and a lot of it's just due to the love that Tony has in the industry from people, you know, um, Tony is such a great guy. He's such a humble guy and he's so humble. He hates me putting him over as being humble. <laughs> You know, um, 
I, I really feel him and I have a lot in common in regards to our, our work ethic, the way we approach the work, and then and the way we approach work and the work. And I know there's always this big Dirk Manning persona about the hype, and, and a lot of that has actually been informed by my love of pro wrestling. But much like Tony, I'm not a guy that ever really believes that hype. You know, I mean, you gotta you gotta kind of push it out. But you know, you know, Jen. I mean, you see when I'm off the clock at your shop versus when I'm on. You know, it's different. When you're off the clock, you roll up your sleeves and you help set up and you help tear down. Then when you're on, you put on a suit and you do your hair and you you go. Um, but Tony is such a genuine guy, and the support that he's gotten for this book, just from people who just want to support Tony, is is really really endearing, and it's very cool. It's a testament to what a good guy he is. Even if we had our first nerd fight today. <gasps> no. We did. Uh, he was asked about, it was a really cool question. He was asked, he's a big Batman fan. And someone asked him who he feels was Batman's like best romantic interest, romantic partner. Huh. And uh, he said Catwoman. And I said, where's the love for the phantasm? See, the, I, I, to me, Batman Mask of the Phantasm is literally in my top 10 movies of all time. All time. Anything, any oh, genre, you name it. I love that movie. Oh, and I said, what about the Phantasm? And he's like, what about it? And I'm like, ah. like okay. It's clearly Talia. Oh. It's Robin. No, it's Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. All right. See, there, there's uh, multiple answers, but you know, we, see, I feel like the Joker is the J to Batman Silent Bob. <laughs> they, they have established in continuity that Joker is does is in love with Batman. So I, I would give you that. Uh, but it's know, Robin. Well, that that's a whole nother level of something. Uh, uh, technically, he's adopted Robin, so you know we we, we can't go there. Yeah, I don't want to be creepy. Creepier than I <laughs> am when I write scary stuff. But yeah, so we we had a we had a mock dust up. He's like, you can kiss my ass. And I'm like, I'm like, oh you catwoman, what a pedestrian answer, you know. But we've been working on this book together for over a year, but we finally got to kind of geek out and and disagree on something because um Talia is good. Talia was almost my answer, but at the end of the day. Fantastic. Your angel of death awaits. How can we forget Vicky Vale? Vicky <laughs> Vale. <laughs> easily. <laughs> the answer is no. easily. Yeah, aside from the Bat Dance video, <laughs> I'm good. But yeah, like I said, it was a very interesting question that we were asked. And, 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 and as you can see, it provides a myriad of, of possible answers. Even if there's one right one, which is, of course, Ms. Beaumont. No. Batman loves nobody else but himself. That's it. I don't uh, know. He, 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 loves, he loves Alfred a lot. He does love Alfred. Mm -hmm. He was willing to give up being Batman for Beaumont. However, so. But anyway, I don't want to go dig too deep in the weeds on this. And Batman does not need to be put over anymore, but... But again, we're fans, you know, and Tony's a fan too. The fact that we got to mix it up about that stuff was true testament to what, to what a, a fan he is. And uh, 
And see, to do last year, you know, I guess he was walking out with arms full of stuff. He'd like ship his swag back. He bought so much swag. That's a real fan. That that's when you know. That's like you know. I'm always jealous when I go to shows. I have an hour before the show every day that I can get in on the floor and then do all my shopping. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through Artist Alley, buying stuff at Artist Alley. I'll go see a couple of vendors, get a couple of things or whatever. But um, yeah, he got to go shopping for a while and geek out as well. So we'll get back to that again soon as well. So Dirk, what's the most surprising thing that's happened related to this project? I mean hitting a hundred thousand dollars in pre-sales in 13 days you know truthfully i'm not trying to brag i'm not trying to be cute i mean that just oh that that is an accomplishment that a lot of books you you know don't don't get so yeah that's it's it's something to be proud of of course i appreciate that yeah and i'm very big on the philosophy if you have nothing nice to say just don't say anything but i will say that on a very personal level, I'm especially proud of the fact that we've hit this number of pre-sales when normally that number is reserved for certain types of books that we are not. You know, sometimes people to get these kind of numbers have to partake in gimmicks that aren't my jam. You know, mm-hmm. you know, certain types of covers and things like that. But, you know, uh, people always tell you the, the the three most hardcore fandoms are comics, horror, and wrestling. You know, and, and the wrestling people came out in force, you know. Um, I really thought, I think I said, I may have said this before we got on the air, and if not, maybe we just started. I thought by the end of this campaign, I thought we will be scratching at that $70,000 variant cover, a variant cover upgrade at the very end of the campaign. I'm like, man, we're going to be just, that was our plan going in. You can ask anybody on our team. We're like, we're going to push like hell, or my French, push like heck the last couple days. And we will get to that 70 if we just bust our butts. And then we hit 70 in 84 hours. And it just was like, it blew my mind, you know. Um, it's just humbling, you know, and, and it's very cool. Um it's really cool. You know, uh, I'm happy to take this book to source point. I'm happy for what this is doing. Like I said, for all these artists that, that agree to join me on this book, they all get to put that feather in their cap. They're in the hundred thousand dollar club, you know, so, which is cool. Right. That, that to me, aside from financially compensating them all for the work they're doing for them to be able to say, I was part of that campaign is, is something that I'm really excited about. So that's that's cool, you know. It's an awesome it's an awesome feat. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but this is this is the first biography style book you're writing, right? Um, how does how does this compare to all the other works? You know, you've written a lot of books, uh, a lot of comic books. So, how yeah. does this compare in, in, to you? How does it compare with everything else you've done? You know, I I mainly focus on doing creator owned work. You know, whether it be through Tales of Mystery or Nightmare World, Buried But Not Dead, Love Stories to Die For, uh, Hope, you know, Kaylin Smith was the co-creator, Cthulhu Jr., the co-creator, Scoot McMahon. But 
I'm pretty fiercely dedicated to doing my own stuff. I've never chased doing stuff for Marvel or DC. That's not to say if they came and knocked on my door under the right set of circumstances, I, 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 I would consider it. But I'm not trying to be cute when I'm saying this either. I would consider it. We would have that discussion. I didn't get into writing comics to write Spider-Man, for example. Uh, everyone has a Spider-Man story. Everyone has a Batman story. You know, there, there are certain characters that are so such archetypes. Anybody could write at least one good story. And these days, it probably could turn into a movie or something. <laughs> um, but I have done, to answer your question more specifically, work for hire. Um, I, I did a, I was really proud of the story arc I did for Big Dog Inc. Uh, I did a story arc for The Legend of Oz, The Wicked West, that the origin of the Flying Monkeys, which was so much fun. But then with real people, I did a one shot with uh, the Harp Twins out of Chicago. We did a Kickstarter. Again, I, I kind of, you know, we did a Kickstarter for uh, the comic Legend of the Shaders with them. But it's a very fantasy-based book. You know, there's dragons and stuff like that. You know, so this was a little bit of a different animal um, because while it was based on them to an extent, it was still based on a, a fantasy version of them. Uh, when then, when we're doing the Ringo Award nominated on at High Ends with Twisted, this is based even more on Jamie and Paul, uh, you know, Jen's new best friends. Um, but, but again, in, in this book, it's still them in a fantasy style setting. It's like them. It is Jamie and Paul, you know, I mean, again, you know, Jen, you, you've interviewed them, Kyle, you know them and stuff. It's them, but it's them in a very fantastic setting. And obviously, you know, when you write the dialogue, you want it to sound like them to an extent, you want to honor their brand, but with Twisted, that ongoing relationship I have with them they kind of let me do my own thing and then they just kind of double check it and sign off and make usually very small cosmetic tweaks to like the dialogue. So doing Butts and Seats, which is, as you said, a strictly biographical comic, my biggest reservation about doing the book, despite being a huge wrestling fan, was because it was going to be biographical. I didn't want this to be a vanity project book. I didn't want this to be a book that was going to get hung up in a thousand rewrites, you know. Um, but Tony, despite the fact that we disagree on Batman's uh, best partner, romantic partner, <laughs> he's an absolute pleasure to work with. He does not buy his own hype. He is a very grounded person. He's a very good person. Um, and it's been a real pleasure. And, he, and, and he's a natural storyteller as well and it's just made it a very seamless process um i don't like anything i think if i was presented the opportunity to another biograph uh, biographical comic it would be a case-by-case -case basis but with tony and the team we have it's been a very seamless process we i, I do think we built a system breaking it into those 10 chapters like okay tony tell us about the end of wcw you know, and what we do, how our meetings would look is we would all be on the Zoom call, kind of like we are now. And he would start walking through. I would just sit here and I would take notes. And sometimes I would drill down on certain things, but I've written enough comics that I'm thinking, okay, I've got 10 pages to tell the story. How am I going to break this out? How am I going to tell this? And I would drill down on certain details, things like that. But Tony's made it very easy. 
he's made it very, very easy. Um, and, and it's been a joy to work with him. You know, it's a fascinating story. Uh, go ahead, sorry. I think somebody's phone vibrated. But it was oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, not it. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. since you finished since you finished your story, I've got a thing. Uh, and I've got to ask this. I know I'm in a forthcoming book from you because you've confided in me that I die. <laughs> or maybe Scoot has told me that I die in a forthcoming book of yours. You don't die, but you are in it. Well, I'm going to die, I'm telling you. Okay. But they must have did something that I didn't do. Now now in like somebody well, like when I do I, my I think I like paid Scoot read, off to make you it. You happen. can pledge you can pledge to get killed in the book. But that's different. No, I think I, I paid I Scoot off to make it happen in the background. I think. Right. <laughs> um but uh, I've been thinking about it, and it seems like we've known each other almost a decade now. Oh, man. Do you remember what seven years ago today was? Uh, it was still March 29th. It would, yeah, it would have been. Was that, was that my signing at Sean's when it you was. When, when you cosplayed? Or was it the first time? Let's see if I can get it to work here. Was that when you? Okay, there's a cute baby. Uh, stop sharing. Okay, not working. Uh, <laughs> um, this is why I don't like Zoom or Skype. Can't share what I want to share. Was this when you cut when you did the the when I got to draw in your head? This is the seven year anniversary of the day that I dressed up as Mr. Ree. Right. Dirk signed in the store. Yes, and I got to draw the re-sigil on your head and burn a marker thinking, oh, God, I hope this comes off. <laughs> it did. Like, by the end of that day, I sweat so much in that costume. Right. Seven off. years ago today? Seven years ago today. I'm going to have to look back at my Facebook memories. You know, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look and see if I can bring this up old school. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. We've known each other, like you said, a long time, and it's you know, I don't remember. Uh, it's been a long day, and I apologize. But you know, that's like they say: there's two ways to live your life. One like everything's a coincidence, and one like nothing is. Mm -hmm. and, and this is just again one of those things that we're here talking now on the on the seven year anniversary of that. Let's see if I have that picture in here. Hold on. Well, I could pull it up this way, but it's just interesting. It's that. Uh, you know, it's 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 interesting to say, you know, seven years or eight years now, because we probably met before this moment. Well, we definitely met before this moment. But, uh, yeah. There it is. All right. Yeah, you got it. Look at that. Look at that dapper young Kyle. Clean shaven. I can't even see the sigil. No There's Facebook. a glare, but it's there. We'll, we'll 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 put it up in post. There it is. There, oh, you had it right there, right there, right there. Look at that. Great. The yellow shirt and everything, right? The black overcoat, and even the scowl. But look at that fresh-faced baby Kyle. I remember having to work really hard on the scowl. But <laughs> so it's it's the reason I bring it up. Yeah. Is that. We've both come a really long way. I mean, at that point, 
Was that re-volume one? That was volume one, and that yeah. white cover was the first print cover uh, mm -hmm. before we did the reprint with the second Riley Rossmo cover. So now yeah. we're coming up on kickstarting re-volume five? Five. Yep, that'll be the next and Omnibus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's that's a long way to come. And we've both come a really long way. So tell me this. If eight years ago I would have told you that you'd have a Kickstarter at 100K, you'd have five volumes of Mystery ready to go, you'd, yeah. have a two, you'd have a Nightmare World Omnibus, you'd be writing a book for Twisted, what, what would you say to baby Dirk Manning all them years ago? You know, honest, honest goodness, you know, my first reaction is what I probably would have said was, if it's eight years, how come I don't have eight volumes of Mr. Re out? <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 original, my original hope was to do a re every year, which is impractical, especially given how big some of the books are um, and just the, the publishing schedule that I have and the writing schedule I have. Um. <laughs> That aside, I don't know, man. You know, um, it's funny because with Re, Re is my favorite book to write. I, I love mystery. If I had to write one book for the rest of my career, it would be Tales of Mystery. Hands down. I mean, there'd be no, there's no, I, I mean that with no, no level of, um, of disrespect to, to any of my other books, but I, I love writing mystery. And one of the things about mystery is the comic ran online through Shadowline online, which was the image website. And my hope was that Mystery would be published by, I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly, um, would be published by Image after they did the four volumes of Nightmare World. And Image ended up publishing three volumes of Nightmare World and wouldn't even do the fourth one and then wouldn't uh, wouldn't pick up Mystery. And I was so frustrated because I knew this is a book that would sell. And, you know, there's a lot of factors. Mystery is a, a kind of a non-traditional lead character and it's a non-traditional style storytelling and everything else. And I, and I get it, but I, I, but I believe in the book and I, I, I believe in, I, I, like I said, that's my, my favorite book, which again, just because my favorite book doesn't mean it's going to be uh, marketable either, but I, but I believed that there was a long game to play there. So whenever I see that first time of mystery, I think about how I, I left image amicably. Jim Valentino was always very, very good to me. He was a very good dude. The older I get, the more I understand Jim. <laughs> you know, uh, it's one of those things of like, I'll say things now and I'm like, man, it's like, it's like Jim Valentino's words are coming out of my mouth when even eight years ago or 10 years ago, I was like, come on, Jim, why don't you, you know, what? I, you know I, I disagreed with him. But I took Mr. E to Devil's Due in part because Josh Blaylock, to his credit, was willing to let me do crowdfunding and do Kickstarter. And my direct sales were always very strong. And I knew, given time and given an opportunity, I could build up a model that would work. And I'm not just saying this because Jen's here, but 
I mean this sincerely, also that would not cut out the retailers. Even though I didn't have a lot of retail support, because let's be honest, I'd never written for Marvel. I'd never written for DC. And I didn't even do monthly books. I did original graphic novels of horror, which this is where I will gently kind of rib you a little bit here, Jen. No one thinks horror book sells, do they stock them? That's right. I needed I needed some hand-holding, and that's okay. <laughs> right, right, right. And I'm, and, you know, I, I'm just playing with you a little bit on that. But so here I am, a guy that's never in for Marvel, never in for DC, releasing original graphic novel horror anthologies. I wasn't getting a lot of traction in the direct market. But I knew that if I did Kickstarter, I didn't want to cut retailers out. So I, I, I crafted a system where it's like, okay, I'm going to offer a deluxe version, a Kickstarter-exclusive hardcover. Because even if I can get a store owner to order my book, they're not going to order some deluxe hardcover edition of the book. You know, that'll be like for the diehards, you know, for the, for the you know, the, the diehard people get, you know, the hardcover of Buried But Not Dead, you know, and they get the, the book played and the bookmark and, and all the, all the, the, the swag that we, we unlock, you know. But then, so are you going to say you're wrong now, or are we going to do it at the end of this spiel? Because I think Jed and I have both gone deep on hardcovers from your Kickstarter. Yeah, but you're also the exception. You're very forward-thinking retailers that that also, you know, were involved in the comic book shopping network thing like that. You're 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 ahead of the curve. What I would be lucky is I would get stores to order trade paperbacks. You know, so with Mister E. I, 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 I set forth this model. I said, we're going to offer a Kickstarter exclusive hardcover. You can get a signed book plate, blah, 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 blah. And don't get me wrong. I had some angels on that first campaign that really pushed me over the line because they believed in me. They believed in the model. And they said, we know if you can get this first one out the door, you're going to do okay. Now, again, to your question, eight years later, to not only see a lot of people using that the same model, but for myself to be having a hundred thousand dollar plus campaign with this model, with Tony Schiavone, with an amazing up and coming uh, wrestling promotion, it's it's humbling, you know. Um, part of me will always say, "I wish it would have happened sooner," <laughs> you know, um, but. Life gets in the way sometimes, you know, uh, whether it be personally, professionally, medically. Um, I, I've made no secret. Well, that's not true. I kept it secret for a long time. Uh, I had a traumatic brain injury around that time. I had a ceiling beam fall on my head, almost kill me. Uh, so I had to start shifting to doing shows because I wasn't, I couldn't read or write for about two years. You know, luckily they had a back stock of books I could release. Mm -hmm. But, um, so there's always that part of me that I think is so driven and not complacent. Like I said, like, why don't I have eight mysteries out yet? You know, but, um, but all that being said in the face of life getting in the way and, and circumstances beyond your control and just the, the turmoil of everyday life and, and things like that. It's very humbling to be where I'm at. And, and, and it's, it's very humbling, you know, and I'm very grateful. Um, I'm grateful that Kickstarter has been embraced by not only creators, but publishers now. 
and they're using it the right way. I remember when Archie tried to first get in the Kickstarter game, they got laughed off the they got they got they got Kickstarter shamed. Yep. You know, and and I'm not and I'm I don't want to put a value judgment on it and say maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't have, but I don't think they approached it in the right way as opposed to what Boom did with with Berserk. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on that, but bottom line, they got so much more traction off of that book through Kickstarter because they're now engaging people who wouldn't normally go into a comic shop. But now people are going into the comic shop to get it because you offered it through a platform that, that they could access it. You know, uh, I, I can't get, let's say my mom, for example, to go to a comic shop unless I'm in there, but she would order Berserk through Kickstarter if she's a Keanu Reeves fan. Uh-huh. You know? So to see Kickstarter not doing well and to know that I was one of the people on the ground floor of, of doing that. And again, I'm not taking credit for everybody that's ever done a Kickstarter being successful. I can see someone out there like, oh, Dirk's you know, taking care of the sky being blue. No, but I was on the ground floor and I know I did a lot to help move it forward. Um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that now comics are growing. Creators are benefiting. Um, I'm grateful that I have books out. I'm grateful that I can read and write again. <laughs> you know, I'm grateful I have a career. I'm grateful I have good friends. Um, and, and to to still be able to bring in new creators like Ricardo to do a book together and to bring back Josh Ross and Austin McKinley and, you know, Sean Burris and say, Hey, let's do this book. And then they get to have a, their name on a hundred thousand dollar campaign. It's just, um, it's pretty cool. It's really cool. So just as a end of the question, Revolume one was the first Kickstarter I ever backed. Mm, Thank you. Remember that. Oh, I pulled it up because I still have the same Kickstarter account I've always had. Yeah. Uh, do you have any idea what your numbers were on that? Just do you remember? It was run through Devil's Due because it wasn't even run through me personally yet. I want to say that one was maybe thirteen thousand. That was what your goal was. You raised fifteen one fifty eight on two hundred and seventeen backers. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and, and I'll tell you, are, that was twenty thirteen. Eight years later. At this very moment, one zero one zero eight five one seven four two. Nice. Like I'm just, you know, just to kind of put a bow on it. Yeah, it's crazy. And that, and that fifteen, point blank, fifteen was like more or less my break even point, and people pushed me over the edge to get there. So I think it was until we get that hardcover. Um. And $15,000 is nothing to sneeze at, you know. Um, the, the, yeah, it's it's humbling, you know. It, it, I'm very grateful. I, I'm very grateful every day. And Again, we talked about this a minute ago. When you're, when you're in work mode, you know, you have to kind of fake it till you make it. And, and, and people that ran with me know, I would always say, never break kayfabe. And it was always Dirk Manning, all the, the the showman Dirk Manning all the time. And and I've realized that sometimes even the people very close to you then lose sight of the fact that it's work. And that's part of the work, or at least one way to present the work. And Steve Tyler from Aerosmith said the greatest thing. And I, I think about this quote every day. He said, it takes a lot of money to look this poor. You know? And 
and when with Kickstarter and with making books, it takes so much effort to make it look so easy. And people might look at like a hundred thousand dollar Kickstarter and think, oh my God, he's just crushing it. It's just going up as he talks or it takes so much work to do this stuff and it takes so much work. And um, I'm just grateful to the people that stuck with me through these journeys and, and through the trials and tribulations that we're now here. And I, and I look forward to continuing to pay it forward in the industry, uh, paying it forward to the people who supported me, paying it forward to the people that back the books, paying it forward to my publisher, to SourcePoint Press. Uh, like I said, they weren't attached to this project up front. I took it to them because I knew that that Travis and Josh and, and, and company would treat this book with the, the integrity and the dignity it deserved. And I knew this had the potential to be a big win for them too. I knew it'd be this big. We had bets in the office. You know, I'm not going to name names, but someone at SourcePoint owes me a steak dinner because we actually hit $100,000. That was a joke. That was a rib. You know, it's like, you know, you know, you know, I'll buy, as I said, well, if we hit $70,000, will you buy me a steak dinner? And he's like, I'll buy it for you if you hit 100000 Ha, ha, ha. You know, we all laughed about it. I'm like, okay. He's got to stop betting steak dinners. <laughs> and believe me, now that, now that I've gotten the steak dinner, I want like a nice one too, you know. I don't want a ponderosa or anything like that. I want no okay, K-Bobs, buddy boy. No yeah, stick yeah, 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 yeah. until I get my ice cream. That's fair. You know what? And and that's due too. Uh, when I get when I get back down to uh, to Space Cadets Collection Collection, I'm gonna make sure that I can arrange having Jenny's ice cream shipped down. I gotta find some sort of like sugar free or something for Jen. I gotta I gotta do something to to do something. <laughs> Rainy, I'll work it out with Jenny's to get it sent to the West Coast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you were just going to come out to Jen's when I go down there, man. We're going to do that. We have an ice cream party, I thought. It's it's an idea. We could, as long as Jen's paying for my flight. We, we, we have made... Buy a couch. <laughs> um, we have made no, no secret of a star-studded signing when, when things clear up at, at, at uh, Space Cadets Collection Collection. So... Star, star studded, and me. So, <laughs> Dirk, um, you know, it's always fun to talk to you, but I do have to part. I have another meeting I have to get into at 7.30, so guys, have fun. Randy, uh, it was good to see you, my friend. Pleasure, buddy. Take care, guys. Bye, brother. Now we'll break out the ice cream. <laughs> question with you probably you'll be like uh duh but uh have you have you thought about approaching source point with at least just printing a regular floppy mr reed number one can you break out it just like a comic book length number one out of the volume we talked about it um we are doing the tales of mystery omnibus through source point which is the exact opposite of a number one um, originally with Tales of Mystery Volume 1, it's 13 eight-page stories, and my original idea was if we were going to do it as, as singles or as floppies, you know, I know some people like that term, but single issues, my idea was to do uh, two or three stories per issue. So you could either do 16 pages of content, do like a flip book and do it cheaper, yeah. or to do three, three stories, which is 24 pages and have it slightly a bigger comic. And then do it that way. Then do like the last issue, do an oversized or something like that. Um, 
so those discussions were there back in the day. I think at this point, what we're leaning into, honestly, is doing a fancy deluxe omnibus for the Kickstarter hardcover, but then do like a, a, a soft cover mass market omnibus because, you know, um, for comic shops that, again, can we do a 500 page omnibus for 40 bucks and just a big slab of read? Boom. Economically priced compendium style, you know, um, but we're also looking at options of some sort of intro to the series because people that don't know my work may not want to drop 40 bucks. Even if you're getting 500 pages of content for 40 bucks, you know, it's, if you don't know, you don't know who I am, you don't know mystery, you may not want to. So it's an ongoing discussion, Miss Jen. It's an ongoing discussion. Tell tell them I would put I would throw some real serious money at it if the, if you did make a number one because I I think that that's a great entry point for people I think it'd be easy much easier for me to hand off to people and be just like I have to buy this five dollar book or else or else have them fall have them fall in love with it right I, yeah I've been a comic bully to make people buy things then they say thank you because they love it right. Right. No, yeah, and, and that may be the thing, too, to just do some sort of, I don't want to say sampler or, uh, yeah, some sort of intro thing. Right, you know. Uh, we'll talk. I'll have my people call your people. Right. <laughs> it may be it may be a Space Cadets exclusive or something, but yeah, you know. That I, I'm sure that if it was just a matter of paying for a print run, I bet you I'd get there. Well, we will, we will, we will take that discussion uh, offline. But it, it is a conversation. Well, even and I'll be honest with you. Again, this is kind of inside baseball stuff. There's going to be probably about two thousand people reading butts and seats. The next Kickstarter I'm running is going to be for Mister E. Mm -hmm. What do we offer them? We've we've talked about some sort of ash can or, or something like that to to get them invested in it because Tales of Mystery is a fun book. If you like horror. It's a really fun book, you know. Kyle cosplayed as mystery, you know. Um, but you're right; it's always been the thing. It's like we're so deep into the series now. I pride myself that you can pick up any book. You can pick up Mystery Volume Four, Volume Three, volume, and just read it and yeah. go. Yeah. But comic people are a certain way. That I'm the same way too. You don't want to start at four; you want to start at one. Oh, but it's fifteen, twenty dollars. I don't know this. Uh, you know, so there's talks. And uh, I appreciate you saying that because that's going to continue to fuel that that methodology. Mm -hmm. You're always out of the curve, Ms. Jen. Thank you. Well, I mean, I've kind of seen it happen and work before. Uh, so, like the Shepherd mm -hmm. came out. I mean, he already had like he was up to the I think it was up to his fourth trade paperback out. Yep. They yep. when they launched it again at Scout, they started with a number one and gave gave him that. The floppy first and right. it was successful and, and he's a guy that busts hump too right he was a caliber back in the day originally and stuff with that book yeah so that, that that could be the way to go so yeah we're we're having those discussions right now because again do we do an ash can and give it to all the butts and seats people like hey if you like horror this is gonna be the next thing from that dirt guy or they just say ah we're just here for the wrestling <laughs> you know or again do we get 10 percent of them to follow uh, so yeah it's again you know, the whole thing about it takes a lot of money to look this poor. It mm -hmm. takes a lot of work to make it look this this easy. And um, I, I pride myself privately 
on how much I work to do this stuff uh, on behalf of myself and behalf of my publisher, behalf of the artists I'm working with. So that, that that's a that'll continue to be some very uh, interesting discussions we will have. Yeah, I call you the hardest working guy in comics, but that's clearly Vic Dandridge. So it's all a matter of perspective. You know, I don't want I don't want to take his uh, his uh, self -procl uh, proclaimed label. You know, so those are those are. <laughs> Those are things for other people to decide, you know. I was hanging out with Vic on Sunday. Yeah. And his own kids are giving him crap about the title, which is hysterical <laughs> to me. Yeah. How are you the hardest working man in comics if you're hanging out in this comic book shop eating that dude's candy? Right. Oh, and Vic knows. I, I busted his chops about it, too. And, and, and Vic, Vic, you know, again, busts his hump. And he'll be the first to tell you it's a talking point. It's a way to get him to talk about it. People just like, I wear a black suit. People, a lot of them think that was a gimmick or something. I'm like, well, I just, this is uncomfortable. You know, and I'm working. I'm, I'm dressed to work. Mm -hmm. You know, or obviously the the gimmick, you know, the, the the top hat and the scarf and all that, you know, and the banner that way. But um, no, you know, it just doesn't have to be a contest. We all just got to do what we got to do. So when we get to Dirk 3.0, I think we're going to add a monocle. <sighs> <laughs> very stylish right get the gray temples and right you know right. well like we're on, talking texting, earlier I'm i used to have long green. hair and the joke would always become will i ever grow my hair back out but i don't know if the long hair works with this aesthetic not really no no even if i didn't like the like when i donated my hair to a child with cancer i cut it i did like the kind of like the bob cut to like you know here so it was like short to like here Mm -hmm. Even that, if I just had that long, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't it doesn't work with it sure as heck doesn't work with this. Nah. Not that I dress like that in, in real life. Of course I don't. But yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't suit the current aesthetic. And I used to wear my hair back in a ponytail, so my hair's kind of slick back in it, but just mm -hmm. so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe that'll be like uh Dirk Manning 4.0 or something where I'm just wearing like Hawaiian shirts and have long hair and the, the Chuck Dixon phase of my career where you only see me in Hawaiian shirts and stuff like that. I don't know. As long as it's not with flip-flops, I'm okay. Yeah. You won't see the Hawaiian shirts either, unless they're all black. I used to joke with my dad as he got older, he would only wear Hawaiian shirts. I said, I don't need like black ones with like octopuses or octopi and like skulls. And yeah. then finally they start making like these gothic Hawaiian shirts and I'm like, Hmm. Casual Sunday dark, that could be a thing. I've t I just texted Germage consultant, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the monocle would be cool. When my, my, my grandfather always had you know, long part of his life, the real cool gray temples, and uh, I always, when I was younger, I said, Man, I can't wait till. I get those cool gray temples because, you know, my hair now, especially, it look really, really slick. And now that the gray is slowly, when, when he, I joke when he passed, he passed it on to me. So the gray is starting to come in, but it's just coming in very slightly. And it's like, I want it just to be like Reed Richards all at once. Like, poof. Not like, you, you oh, do know they make a product called Just for hair. Men. What's that? You do know they make a product called Just for Men. Yeah. I rarely, I rarely 
on the road ever have a hotel room by myself. I'm usually with like four or five other guys. And they will tell you the amount of work that goes into the hair looking like this. I'd add an extra step to that and do some sort of like dyeing or painting or whatever it would be. No. It's too much. This is why you, me, and Amanda can never share a hotel room when we travel because between her and you, I'd have to get up like four hours early so everybody else could get their hair done. Oh, they'll tell you. You know, like I said, I I, I, I don't know if I've ever... I don't know if I've ever stayed at a hotel by myself at a con because, you know, it's the profit margin not huge. So you have a couple of us, got, we always split the room. And uh, like, you know, like you take a shower the night before, you get up early, you, you do the hair, but they say, oh, here goes Dirk. He's jerking up. You know, and it's like once the, once the hair goes into place, then it's go time. So What's again, we're back to is it, we're back is it to, well made. Are you a Dapper Dan man? Yeah, yeah, like it's it's like a Darth Vader helmet, actually. You just snap it on. You know, I I sit in the big machine and like the lowers on, you know. Um this has been a very cosmetically based show, I apologize. So we always have themes, they're ridiculous. That's right, that's right. We talked about what did we talk? We talked about pizza toppings one time for 45 minutes, so don't worry about it. You know, nerd news now is a is a thinly veiled ruse for us just hanging out together. I'm a big fan of barbecue chicken pizza. So mm, yes, I had two great pizza places in the last week, but we're, we'll talk about those another time. All right, that's fair. So, Miss Jen, do you have anything else for Dirk? No, I think we 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 had a good old time. This was a great hangout. I know I'm going to save my things because I'm talking to Dirk at least one more time this week. That's yeah. true. This is my week O podcast. And it's good to see you, Jen. I feel, but I haven't been able to come on your live sales recently because I've been hustling on this Kickstarter. So it's good to see you as well. I, I, I've missed catching up with you. I'm always there for whenever. I know you are. It, it, it's completely on me that I have not been around. Although I did just get my most recent order. Thank you. Always very well packed. Anybody should order books from you in the utmost confidence, knowing that it will be very well protected. I'm beside myself because I know that I have your IDW sticker somewhere that I put. Oh, that lock, no, that lock and key sticker. I have no idea where it is. I mean, it's like I'm going to have to tear the whole place apart. I mean, it, I it will, it will turn up someday. Dig through. It will turn up some. Yeah, the lock and key promo sticker because I'm a big Joe Hill fan, you know, and I saw it and it's like. I went through the old books you sent me. I, I, I don't think it's in any of those unless I got tucked into something because I mainly buy issues from you, not trades. Yeah. So um, it'll, it'll turn up. up. It'll turn up. I'm not worried. Mm -hmm. When I finally show back up at the store, it'll just maybe, maybe it'll just be there waiting for me. We'll see. That would be truly providential. <laughs> it would be. I won't hold my breath, but. No, but thank you both for having me on. I, I most sincerely appreciate it. I appreciate both of your support. And uh, people can go to buttsandseatscomic.com uh, and check out the book. Also, DirkManning.com. DirkManning.com. Got a complete Find all the places. All the places. Go across social media, at Dirk Manning, Facebook, Instagram, Lord help me, even Twitter. 
But right now, I would say the big thing is buttsandseatscomic.com. Check it out. Pre-order the Kickstarter exclusive hardcover. You'll get tons of swag with it. And then you can go to dirkmanning.com and, and check out my other books and other information about me accordingly there. Get on the mailing list. Usually when he sends it out, it's graphic novel length. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's usually a ton of stuff to learn on his mailing list. So all yes. of those good things. Yes, I will actually have some really cool news in my April newsletter. Uh, something, an announcement I've been sitting on for a while now. I've been teasing it on social media, but it'll have dropped by the time this goes live. Um, the Twisted Motion Comic release, Motion Comic Video. <gasps> yeah, we did a Haunted High Ons uh, video comic. So that'll be out by the time this goes on air. But that'll be my link in my newsletter as well. Go to YouTube and check it out. Cool. Jen, anything else for the good of the order, or should I read the thing? Read your thing, because this is fun. I like I like that you do this so well. It's like it's obviously you're a professional. I know this is my favorite part. Hold on, I'm gonna. You ready? Go. Thank you for watching Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom on Woodlands Online, sponsored by the Adventure Begins Comics and Games and Space Cadets Collection Collection. Check out other shows on Woodlands Online, like Music Cafe, The Adventure Begins Show, Woodlands House and Home, The Best You, Between the Trees Business Talk, and much more. You can watch all of these on Woodlands Online and on our partner station, KVQT HD21, over the air if you're in the Houston area. All of these shows and more on Roku now. Just search and add Woodlands Online TV to your streaming lineup. Now you can listen to our podcast show on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Pod, Google Podcast, and Pandora, and probably wherever else quality podcasts are given away for free. And uh, given your very extensive travel schedule and the exhaustion that you have from being in what, what have you been in now, Kyle? Four towns in two days or something? I don't remember. Yeah, it's that many. Yeah, so, something like that. Um, the fact that you, I left, I left you home nailed that. Mm -hmm. so I left well. home yesterday at 8 a.m., did 12 hours with Jason David Frank, a hotel last night, Jenny's last night, which was a whole to-do. Uh, hung out with my nephew for a couple hours this today, Packer at Comics today, back home, changed bags. To I'm at the airport hotel right now on a plane at 6 a.m. in the morning to go to Philadelphia. I'm in Philadelphia tomorrow, flying back here Wednesday morning to go home to be on the air. Wednesday, or so I'm on the air with you tomorrow night. I'm on the air with Dan Wickline tomorrow night. I'm on the air with Tony Schiavone tomorrow night. I'm on the air with Christopher Daniels tomorrow night, live from that hotel. Then back home Wednesday to put three shows into production for the experience and be back on the air Thursday. Like I said, I know you're exhausted, and the fact that you were able to so masterfully rattle that off in the state of uh, borderline delirium that you are in dedicates what a true professional you are, my friend. This skill level brought to you by Monster Energy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank and you, Diet Coke. Diet Pepsi. I, I really sincerely appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, Jen, as I've told you before, I'm so looking forward to coming back to the shop uh, with, 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 uh, with friends. We will yeah. get there soon. Just yeah. everyone's got to keep doing what they got to do. We will get there. We will get back to seeing each other in person. And uh, and thank you both for having me on. I appreciate it. Please send my love to I will do that. We will be, we're due to talk any day now again. So I would definitely will. Perfect. All right, buddy. I will see you guys later. Thank you.